Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to our first podcast episode for Game On. My name's Pete Matthews and I will be one of your hosts today. And uh, just for a bit of a fun line to start us off, today is actually the National Coffee Day. My co-host, Malcolm Ashwood, I'm sure drinks a lot of coffee during yeah, the day, I do, as actually. I do. Yes. Yep. And what's your favourite uh, coffee? I'm not fussy at all. I'm, uh, you know, I admit I'm a big coffee drinker. Yeah, no longer drink alcohol. I admitted I had a problem nearly 10 years ago now, and yeah, I'll give the coffee a hammering, so yeah. Fantastic. And uh, what's your coffee of choice? Which one? Yeah, probably Nescafe. Nescafe, yeah. yep, yeah. sticking with it, nice yeah. and easy. Thank you, Malcolm, for joining us today. Yeah, welcome. Um, Thanks, mate. We're going to be covering a few different subjects. Some are a couple of weeks old. This uh, podcast was originally put together a few weeks ago. A few technical issues, but we're good to go now. Around the Grounds. So to lead us off, Roger Federer. What can you say? The man's just retired. You know, is he the best ever? Absolute champion. Look, I, I think it's not only we loved his tennis, we loved his attitude. You know, let's be honest, tennis can be the sport of brats and that and average behaviour and Federer has just been the example and almost the perfect good guy right throughout it and I don't think there's any of us haven't barracked for Roger at some time. Absolutely. Uh, so, no, I just loved him. I mean, 103 titles, 20 Grand Slams, Six tour finals, 28 Masters finals, one Davis Cups, 310 weeks at world number one. Just crazy numbers when you when you really think about it and, and has been in the game, I think someone stated the other day, 16 or 17 years, which is really unheard of these days. It's just extraordinary. Yeah, he's certainly around the mark for number one. No doubt about that whatsoever, you know. We can look off. You probably your bias comes in with who you like. So I've obviously got him in front of uh, Djokovic in that regard. Great battles with Nadal, two champions. He's yeah, I'm pr- I'm probably Federer, but it's a toss of the coin. Which which of the Federer finals, Grand Slam finals, do you think you know he'd hold most precious or close to his heart? 
It's interesting that one because it's such individual preference himself, and you, you just don't know that he may have been carrying an injury into an event and considers his effort to get over the line there in front of others. So I think there may be ones we've enjoyed the most as a match, you know, a cliffhanger finish, gets up in the fifth after coming down. Yeah, as a spectator, we love that. Yep. But the player may rank other matters, you know. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, certainly Wimbledon has been the one, yep. you know, there's probably, I mean, eight Wimbledon finals. I mean, there's Just probably... Ridiculous. Exactly. There's probably one or two in there that he holds, you know, really close to his heart. You know... Are we going to see a player of this calibre again? I mean, look, he was, you know, a bit like Muhammad Ali floating like a butterfly yeah. on, on the tennis court. You know, he was so graceful and, and, you know, just did it with less fanfare. But I think him and Nadal were fantastic in that regard. It was a rivalry between them, but it was a rivalry of the good guys. Agreed. And, and they're best mates now. Yeah. It's fantastic. Cool. You know, just huge mutual respect. Absolutely. Yep. Return of the, return of the Adelaide 500. Look, it's an interesting one. I'm a fan, you know, let's be honest, we've gone through a couple of years of COVID and it's going to be at least get businesses and get Adelaide alive again in town, you know. They've gone full bore on the concerts. You can't say they haven't you know, gone all out to make the government to make it work. Absolutely. So I'm a fan and I'm not a real car racing person, but I think the event to bring it alive, the concert... Absol- absolutely. I mean, returning oh, returning to Adelaide in December, December 1 to 4. Um, obviously, we've hosted the beginning of the Adelaide 500 re- in previous years. Yeah. This year, it's the, the season finale. So it's a bit of a coming back with a, a big bang. bang. And, and as you said, the, uh, the, the last two years of it not being here, businesses in the city probably rely a little bit on that, that little kick uh, through the year. Look, I think it can only be a real positive... And you've, it, you know, it falls into the test match. Absolutely. So you've got, you know, Adelaide really alive for a couple of weeks. Absolutely. And you know, businesses desperately need it. Absolutely. And 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 the track being in the city, I mean, is it still a contentious one? I mean, you know, people want to move it up to the to the bend, which is fine. I mean, it's a nice idea, but I think for the actual spectacle of the event, the city really I think needs it's to. Got, I think it's got to be in town. Look, yep. you know, I'll be honest. There's no one in the world I'd drive a couple, you know, drive an hour and a half to go to. Dalen Ben for a car race, you yep. know. Yep. I want to be in town, catch up with mates, the atmosphere. Absolutely. You know, that's that's for me is the big thing. So yep. I, I think it's great. Yep. I'd love to see permanent stuff put up. Well, yeah, Victoria Park, I mean, yeah. up and down, up and down, yeah, up I and think down. That's ridiculous. There's 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 an opportunity there for them to, to build something permanent. It's there for them to use and, and it can be used as a multi purpose site. Um you know, it, it's a no-brainer, really. I mean, it's just we're just paying out money. It's effectively yeah. like playing out rent money. Absolutely, excellent. And uh, we're going to move on to the AFL Grand Final, Sydney v Geelong. What's the fallout from that? It was a cliffhanger at the opening bounce. Yes. Um, you know, it was. Look, you had to admire how good Geelong were, but Sydney were Sydney were it was like stage fright. They really only had three or four good players for the day. Warner was you know, probably easily their best player. And a couple others contributed. Fox did a pretty reasonable job on Cameron, but no, it was, you know, Geelong just way too good. I thought Dangerfield was the key. Personally, he would have got my Norm Smith because I thought he was the person who had the most influence while the game was still a contest. Absolutely. You know, Joel Selwood, obviously, in the last day or two, hung up the boots with a winning percentage, and I only looked this up a little bit earlier, 72.96%. 
Jeez, but is he putting us blokes under the pressure? He's been, he's been the world's perfect bloke this last week. He's, like, he takes out, you know, Gary. It was his idea yep. for uh, Gary's son, uh, yep. for Gary Ablett's son. Yep. He then sees Sam, the 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 uh, sort of the club spiritual mascot, leader yep, yep, yep. of uh, Cadinia Park. Yep. Sees him gets gets him over the fence. Rings up his parents to yes. say, "I'll get, make sure Sam will get home." Yep. See you back at Cadinia Park. He then gives, you know, he's already given the the, the youngster presenting uh, the Oz kick kid, yep. kid his boots. Yep. Like, jeez, is there anything he hasn't done perfectly this week? He's set the bar very oh. high, very high from now on. And and look, it's probably the kick that uh, AFL needed after two years of COVID, and you know that they've done such a good job of moving it around the, the country to try and uh, you know still have the event going. Um, oh, I think this the year effort was, to get yes. keep footy going was yes. extraordinary. Like, yep. well, whatever anyone has to say about Gil McLaughlin, but who actually been involved in a little bit with that, with a couple of things behind the scenes. Yep. I I would called into Nord to drop some stuff off at Nord, and I actually heard the conversation. This was right at the start of COVID, and it was whether a Nord trial game was going on that night. It ended up conversation which the ICC were involved in as well because at that stage the 2020 World Cup was still scheduled to be here. Mm-hmm. So it was a communication, SNFL, AFL, it was extraordinary. And I've never seen anything like it. That's insane. And, and this people is nothing have that, no idea. And this is nothing that we'd built contingencies no. for. That's the thing. And the, they would have called meetings of all, you know, uh, telecommunication yep. hookups. All the stakeholders, the AFL yep. pro, AFL pro, um CEOs, they had one one day, they'd walked out and five minutes got called to reconvene because there'd been a complete 360 change, have it with things. So it was it was incredible. People don't realise how many things were going on that's, behind that's the scenes. Insane. And, and you know, going back to the, uh, obviously, this year's grand final, do you think Twilight might be the way of the future? Yeah, I, it probably is. But I, I just, with that go drop on ratings, I'd love to know... But hang on, is it taken into account how many people are together for barbecues or at the park? Which you couldn't pub, do for the except, last two years. Yeah, yeah. so it's it's been a bit of a false false figure really the last yep. couple of years. And look, I watched a watched. I was at the Kenzie Hotel. There was probably 150, 200 people or more in there now. Yep. And you, you, know, you multiply that by a hundred pubs yeah, anywhere you know. in the country, and all of a sudden it does does skew the little one. And everyone has barbecues, etc. Yes. as well. So I just think. Yeah, I, I'm still a day person, yep. but yeah, if at worst Twilight. Yep. Yeah. I, I think you know the last couple of years we did trial a couple of different formats, obviously different stadiums. It's a catch twenty two. Um, do you do you want to bring it into that evening time slot? Um, people can do what they want to do in the morning a little bit more, but you know most people plan their whole day yeah, around the grand final. It so it doesn't matter what time it is, it's always going to be yeah. going to be on. And and obviously Sydney uh, unfortunately faltered at the last hurdle. They um played pretty well all year. I mean, I think they're on 7 or 8 on a, in a yeah, row yeah. going into that. I mean, Geelong were on 15 in a row. So yeah, technically they were the two best sides, but where does where does Sydney go from here? I mean, do they throw the the baby out with the bathwater, or do they? At least they have got a reasonably young list now. You know, whether there's another year in Buddy is probably debatable. Yep. Because um, it wasn't only that final, and he ended up playing almost as a decoy in the Melbourne final to try and get May out the way, yep. and it sort of did work really. Yep. yep. Um, but yeah, whether he's got another year, 
you know, Sydney still need him for marketing. Well, I mean, it's yeah, a di- it's a different, it's a different, it's completely different dynamics yeah. than. Well, Sydney yeah. compared to Melbourne or Sydney compared to Adelaide, I mean, yeah. they really need that marquee player and I think that's why they were probably going a little bit harder for Dustin Martin. Yes. Um, is that, you know, he'd take over that new marquee player. or, or Mantle. Mantle, yeah, exactly right. Um, and, and as you mentioned, Sydney have got a very young list. Uh, it is a positive, but, you know, being sort of belted by 89 points or 81 points, somewhere in there. Well, you know, let's go back to Western Bulldogs last year. They didn't yep. make the eight. Yeah, so, so it does know. take a t- heavy toll, and we've probably seen over the last seven, eight, nine years that the teams that do get a little bit of a touch-up in a grand final struggle to to back up either the year after or, or the year after that. So yeah. I, I hope for the young young guys that they take it uh, the right way and, and use it as a learning opportunity, but I don't think anybody could have stopped you long, no, to be honest with no. you. Look, I, I did have a bit of an interest in the grand final with Dylan Stevens playing. Shit, his dad just messaged me too. But it was the last, you just might have had that beat go. It was yep. Rob, Rob then, actually. Yep. Um, and I also had had um, Will Haywood had coached him with East Adelaide with Sapsaza. So had a little bit of interest there. Uh, but yeah, they were just, I think you were just at least we were admiring how good Geelong were, but it was just ho hum as a contest. I mean, they went out and spent some pretty expensive draft picks to get Jeremy Cameron yes. in. Um, Tom Hawkins, who just seems to find another level when it comes to the finals. Uh, you know, he's solid all through the year, but there's, he just bobs up in, in well, some sort of final and does first very, two very goals well. to out, you know, the, his ruck, which everyone knows he does it, but he still did manage to get Hickey out the way and kick the first two goals. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, and, and look, just looking at a, a couple of little statistics here, I mean, possessions-wise or disposal-wise, you know, Geelong were 90 Positions yeah. higher. It's extraordinary. It's Especially just the hard first to quarter. stop that. Yeah, it's hard to stop that. All right, excellent. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to take a little bit of a break here, and uh, we're going to talk after the break about some local country sport and some of the troubles, unfortunately, that they are going through. Um, it's, a, it's a huge topic yep. with lots of different dimensions. Yep. And we'll talk about that after the break. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Local country sport, is it at risk of falling away a lot quicker than what we are seeing currently at the moment? It, it is a massive issue. Um, you know, Lamaroo with the Mallee League at the moment, under a real threat up there. And it's not just a game of sport. It's, it's Country sport is the whole guts and lifeblood of the country community. It's And mental health side of it is just so vital uh, for people to be involved, engage, mateship, communication. You know, you're getting people living a pretty solitary life out in the country with a lot of, you know, farming and a lot of... Uh, uh, yeah, we can probably not have as much involvement communication-wise. I just think mental health side just cannot be emphasised enough. Yeah, I mean you've really got scary. you've got the local footy leagues, the local netball leagues. Yes. So it's it's not just uh, one segment of the community; it's the whole country community. And like okay. I said, in the Mary, uh, the Mallee, um, uh, Lamaru, Pinaru, you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're looking at alternatives and they're having meetings that 
you probably wouldn't even yeah. thought of oh. um, ten years ago, let alone this year. What are the, I suppose, what are the challenges that that they can change to to make this work for them to to get people involved? I mean, as you said earlier, you know, country sport is the lifeblood of a community, and a lot of those young people. You know they've got to have something to do, and, and sporting clubs in the country are renowned for putting their arms around local community people and looking after them for years and yeah, years. Yeah, look, and I years. think it's it's such a an important topic, and it probably needs some input from people involved. You know, I think uh, you know we're on our first episode here, but I think we'll get Rodney Maynard involved and find out. Yep. Uh, you know. Have Rocket involved and get uh, I mean, his and get his influence. Played five hundred, five hundred yes. odd games. You he's know. the king of Lamaroo. Exactly right. You know, give him the keys and uh, and away he goes. Uh, does it take the SNFL and the AFL even to to become involved to help structure this to make it work for them? Or that's another bugbear of mine: the yeah. lack of money from the AFL, which is filtered through to grassroots footy. There's nowhere near enough sport given to the SNFL. And then grassroots, there should be way more support to country leagues, especially. Well, I mean, we restructured the sort of the SNFL to fall into line with the AFL program, I suppose, five years ago, six years yeah. ago. It might have been a couple of years yeah. further than that. It seems that that may have worked, but in one respect, but in another respect, it's now failed the, the grassroots of where. You know, some of these great players have come from oh. from the country. I mean, you mentioned Rocket Maynard, uh, you know, poster up on my wall as a kid, seen him play at Nordoval a million times, you know, and, and he still played country footy until... Barry, Barry Robber and Russell Ebert. We, we don't really have to go any further. Yeah. Yep. Um, speaking of Barry Robin, actually, uh, I played lawn bowls against uh, him. Uh, he's man. a pretty pretty handy yes. bowler, I can tell you that yes. right now. And, um, you know, he uh, he still still throws down a pretty mean ball. All right. Shield cricket as well, Barry. Yes, um, well respected in yes. all, all sports. So yes. fantastic. Uh, I'm I'm really hoping that the um, country footy leagues, netball leagues, uh, you know, really do sit down and work this out. Um, I just don't think it's an easy fix because there's less and less jobs in the country, so yep. less people there. So it's a compounding effect. I, it'll just be interesting to get some other perspective. Sure, and and you know country umpires as well. You know yeah. it's on the decline. Everything. You know it's it's a real sad sad time when uh, an area of our uh, great game, uh, who's provided lots of great players, are going to yeah. unfortunately have to to do something pretty drastic to either stay alive or to move to another country league. I mean, just yeah, it's, it's crazy. Yes, yes, NFL Grand Final. Is it Nord's greatest victory? Is it the greatest of all time? Look, I think it's I think it's the greatest victory in terms of resilience of a young group. Um, I don't think it's anywhere near our t- most talented group at Nord as a Nord man, but they keep having a go. It'll be 17 points down at the 18-minute mark, eight goals to five in wet conditions, and still the belief within that, hey, we're still a chance. If we can just pinch one, yeah, and there, and it went from there. And then, of course, the great man delivered with 42 seconds to go. The king, you know, the brilliant reading, great tap from Boyd, the read from Matty and the left foot snap goal from Matty Panos to win the flag. Absolutely. was Yeah, I'm, look. I, I think it's probably one of the top four, maybe five results of Nord. I, again, 
you've uh, shown your allegiance there, yes. and uh, as am I going to, being a Nord man myself. You know, you're right. The resilience that you you see from time to time seem to be the driving factor for a lot of the victories uh, throughout the season, especially when they're on a bit of a run of seven, seven in, in a row. row. Eight in a row. Eight in a row, yep. Um, you know, where they sort of, uh, you know, just kept winning and, and a couple of times there, you know, down at three-quarter time, just seemed to find a way to win. Well, the Crows game was similar in terms of where, where Manny Panos again delivered in the last minute or so that night where we were nearly 20 points down just before entering time on that night as well, where Cam uh, Connor, Connor McLean kicked a couple and then Maddie yet again delivered as well. Yeah, uh, I must admit I, I was a little frustrated just before three-quarter time there where that, that double free kick, or sorry, the goal and then the free kick uh, double goal there, you know, you almost sort of threw your hat down on the ground going, what is going on? And didn't well, first, seem to be working. First off there, I'll speak as an experienced umpire. I thought it was poor umpiring. It was proactive. Uh, he not. It was reactive, not proactive. He should have got involved, blown the whistle, talk, don't do anything, guys. But on that, it was still technically there. Yep. Young Kelly uh, did grab him high. So back on Jack, don't... Yes. Don't give the umpire the opportunity, and that stemmed from an incident that yeah. happened uh, a minute yeah, earlier. And the yeah, a minute earlier on at centre half man. forward. Exactly yeah. right. Um, yeah, and it was probably at that time. You, you, as I said, you sort of threw your hat down, going, "Oh, what are we? What are we going to yeah. do here?" And it, you know, being in a tight final and working our way back from you know early down early wet conditions, tough, hard going, and and we're giving away cheap ones. A bit frustrating, but. Like you said, the resilience was fantastic. And I think also the way the coaching group didn't go tropo about it at the time. Yeah. And that. Jade Rawlings, uh, you know, experienced coach, has been around for, for a while in the AFL system. AFL system. Look, Twig's been fantastic. He has. Um, and and like you said, you know, with such a young group, um, you know, weren't the classiest outfit, weren't the, the star-sudded outfit. Um, you know, Matty Panos plays eight or nine, nine games, games, nine games this year. year. Yes, eight wins. Um, so you know, he is definitely the spiritual leader. And just there again, you know, but the one percenters, the block by Kennelly, Jacob Kennelly yep. was absolutely perfect to give Noz the chance to absolutely. kick it. Absolutely, and it was a, and it was a great snap too. I mean, it's oh. it's one that you look at for years and years to come and go. Yep, that's going to give me goosebumps. One thing I do want to add. Yep. Um, it's a pretty hard week this week. Uh, we've lost Chris Grigg. Yes. Loaded neuron. Chris is a person I've known since 1981. I can't emphasise my respect and admiration enough for Chris. Look, I'll be honest, when I interviewed him for the article, you know, I wrote about him in my, you know, it's in my book and that side of things. It was an eye-opener doing the studies on motor neuron. There's two people diagnosed and two die every day in Australia. Wow. And, you know, I don't think any of us realised anything like that until Neil Danaher was affected and then it got some publicity. Absolutely. It sort of got buried a bit and, you know, it's it was an eye-opener. Look, I've got no doubt whatsoever that Chris would have fought like anything to be around for Mitch's grand final for Lobethal the day before and then Nord the next day. Absolutely. And he still messaged and that he couldn't communicate. He managed to communicate. It's fascinating and brilliant on technology with his eyes, with an iPad, oh, wow. and he couldn't he couldn't use his fingers anymore or anything, wow. but through his eyes. So, look, 
That's incredible fantastic. on technology. Yep. And yeah, I'm it's funeral deepest, this week. Deepest yeah. condolences, obviously, to the Grigg family. And and did I see a little article that uh, Mitch is heading back to Athelstan, yeah, yes. which is a nice touch. I yeah. mean, you know, going back to to where his old man had, had obviously yeah. played and had some success. And oh, uh, Chris was he was the main man. Yeah, fantastic. And, and uh, basically, the Grigg family, if you turned up at Athelstan and there weren't a member of the Greek family there, you could ring the police and put in a missing persons <laughs> report. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's crazy stuff with motor neuron. That's uh, something that we need to really uh, look into yeah. a lot more and, and take much more seriously. We'll move on. Uh, the On September the 6th this year, a, um, a statement was put out by the SACA regarding the new Men's Premier League. I'm interested to hear your uh, thoughts on this, considering obviously uh, you're, in, you're involved with uh, cricket at the Paynham yes, Cricket Paynham. Club yep. and how you believe this might actually work or not work? Look, I'm nervous about it. Yep. It virtually means that the state players have all got to play for the um, teams in the first division um, and how that's going to be worked out, who, how you're going to work out relegation. So if there is a state player and they go down to Div 2 or they're in Div 2, has that state player, has he got to leave that club and go somewhere else, um, you know, Will it force a promising kid out of that side as well? That kid goes down to Div 2. Well, that's not really helping his development. So, yeah, look, I'm I'm dubious. Yep. Um, I just think there's too many teams in Saka Premier Cricket yep. and legally it is so hard to get teams to amalgamate. I don't think they haven't tried, I will say that. Um, so this is sort of the thing. Will it work? I mean, promotion well, relegation has been, you know, through every sport, whether yeah. it be tennis, basketball, cricket, boom balls, uh, football, et cetera, et cetera, in some respects. Have they sort of cast the net a little bit too wide, like you're saying, too many clubs might be involved in that Division One, Division Two, or Prem and One type yeah, setup? I'm, I'm just not sure how it's going to work. And, yeah. and, and where does that leave clubs that are trying to get into that Echelon, you know, they're trying to build for a future, um, you know, where they're they they've got a good group that have come through and and you know might be good enough to play in the next level up. Um, how do they get into that? How do they? Yeah, it, it it's confusing, I suppose, from the outside. And I think that the general thought around the cricket traps is nervousness and trepidation. We're not sure if this is going to work. Um, I've got to be honest, I'm hearing more negative than positive. Um, so we've just got to wait and see whether it works. Hold the phone at the moment. We will revisit yes. that one uh, as we go along. All right, excellent. We might just take another quick break and we'll pop back with five good minutes in the clubhouse. Now, this is a segment that we're going to run um, yep. pretty regularly and we're going to interview somebody from a local sporting team, a yep. national sporting team, so it might be... Uh, a local cricket club or a SNFL club, uh, endeavour to get a couple of AFL players yep. um, or, or cricket players, uh, state cricket players, to uh, hear what they uh, what they do with themselves uh, in sport and also out of sport. Yep. No, we can certainly do that. Excellent. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast.
five good minutes in the clubhouse. All right, welcome back. Uh, our special guest today is Rick Drewer, and Rick has obviously played cricket at one of the highest levels that you can get to. Obviously playing here also in South Australia for Sturt and Adelaide University, is that right? Oh, you've done a lot of spade work, yes, uh, and Sturt, Adelaide University and Adelaide. Adelaide Cricket Club, yeah. fantastic. And um, I hear along the lines that you're a bit of a DJ. <laughs> Dear me, I was a, actually, funnily enough, I actually owned the first mobile disc jockey business in South Australia. Um, I had no uh, desire to necessarily do so, but um, I've always been fascinated and interested in music and had a, I guess, dare I say, a big collection. And when I left uh, school and went to uni, a guy was on a social committee at the Ag Science faculty and asked me if I'd supply music for the show. And cutting, I'll cut the story short, I did, and everyone seemed to enjoy it, and the business just boomed from there. Fantastic. And I'm finding that doing a little bit of digging here has uh, uncovered that you were the man with the shirt that was unbuttoned <laughs> quite low for the ladies, I'm assuming? <laughs> well, I don't know that it was for the ladies. We, we were all guilty of that, actually. I mean... Back in my day, which is an indication of just how old I am, uh, no one was concerned about sunburn and cancer and so forth and so on. And, and they, I, I knew them as grandpa shirts, but the, the shirts that we wore actually didn't button or unbutton the whole way down. You slipped them over your head and there were about three or four buttons there. And we just didn't do them up, so that's my excuse anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It looked pretty stylish oh, at the time, I'm sure. It pulled the chick, so that's the main thing. <laughs> that is the main thing. Um, what's your biggest career highlight? Um, well, I think the, the biggest career highlight, which was a, a team thing really, which is the you know, diplomatic thing to say, but winning the Sheffield, or being a member of the, the squad that won the Sheffield Shield is particularly in relation to South Australia, um, a pretty big thing because we don't win too many of them. Um, you know, if you're a Victorian or from New South Wales, you win them every couple of years, whereas it's pretty special here. I mean, we won it in 75, 76, and then the last one we won was, I think it was 96, 97 or 97, 98, one or the other, and, you know, we've been bottom for the most of the last Yeah, we haven't um, won, too, won too many. And yeah. so... To have a Sheffield Shield medallion at home is pretty special. Absolutely. Something you can share with yeah. uh, with whoever comes around to yeah, visit. That's right. Very good. And uh, nicknames. Uh, you know, we're big on nicknames at footy clubs and, and tennis clubs and and uh, bowls clubs, but cricket, what's well, the nickname? Well, being six foot five as I am, no, sorry, five foot six, it probably didn't take... I think everyone of my sort of height who's ever played cricket has been called Stumpy. Um, and what happened was that the uh, my cricket coach at school was a guy called Jim Rosevere, who's no longer with us. Um, apart from being a very good teacher and coach, he also wrote Neil Curley's autobiography, for instance. But um, he decided that he thought that I could play cricket a bit and took me down to Sturt. And so I actually played a couple of years of A-grade cricket while I was still at school. And one of the Sturt first 11 A-grade players was a bloke called John Halbert, who most people have heard of, 
and he nicknamed me Stumpy, and it stuck. It stuck. It always happens. Yeah. There's always someone that'll uh, uh, pull out a, a nickname, and it always sticks. Yep. I, I'll, I'll tell you a very brief story, though. After I first played uh, first-class cricket, I went back to. I was playing for Adelaide, and I went back to uh, Adelaide for practice. And a guy called John Nason, who was one of the opening bowlers, he looked at me and called me Red. And I said, Red? What on earth is Red for? I said, that's not my name. He said, it's short for USSR. And I said, well, what's that got to do with anything? He said, undersized state representative. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not bad, actually. Very, very good. Who was your childhood idol? Uh, Football. uh, It was Ron Barassi. Uh, without doubt, I've still got somewhere, I don't know where, because I've been searching for it for years, but I can remember jumping the fence when um, they used to play uh, after the finals, a, a, a grand final between the two premiers, and that was at Norwood Oval, and I jumped over the fence and got Ron Barassi's autograph, uh, and um, unfortunately it's misplaced rather than lost forever, at least I hope so, but Ron Barassi, without doubt... Probably second was Carl Diderich uh, from St Kilda and then Melbourne. Uh, Cricket-wise, Gary Sobers, I think, was the guy who I thought... Well, he probably is the greatest all-rounder that's ever lived. So there you go. Oh, there you go. A a diverse group of people to to have as a sporting idol, I suppose. Um, Who's who's the team you support these days, Uh, whether it be cricket, football... uh, Basketball. Uh, I can well, see the, the the looks coming now. Yeah, well, a good friend of mine is a member of the Port Adelaide Football Club. He doesn't, I, he doesn't drag you to the game. No, does he, he? he no, doesn't. Okay, but, that's right. And I used to be a member of the Port Adelaide Football Club, but I made a vow a few years ago that while Ken Hinckley was coach of them, I'd no longer be a member, and that's the way it is. Uh, I still support Port Adelaide. I'm not a great Hinckley believer or philosopher, or, um, but Port Adelaide are my club in the Sandfillet Sturt, which seems a bit of a contradiction, Sturt and Port seemingly not liking each other, but no, there you a, go. A bit like the Nordport yeah, thing, that's right, yeah. Port Sturt, it's yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, I, I used to play footy at Sturt and, uh, under Jack Oti, and so, of course, uh, I lived in Mitcham, Torrance Park, so Sturt was all my first choice. Fantastic. Mm. And... Um, you know, like anything these days, if a movie's made about you, who is playing you? <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, I love it. Fantastic, that's an absolute beauty. Um, and do you have any secret talents that we should know about that you want to let the um, oh, public secret. know about? <laughs> <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Phil's sitting there shaking his head. So many to mention, I can't think of any at the one time. Um, I, do love, I do love my music and I've got, um, dare I say it, a massive collection. Uh, that's probably the thing that um, intrigues me other than my love of sport. And yep. I do a bit of uh, sports writing for one of the local newspapers, and that's also interesting. Beautiful. Keeps me going. Beautiful. And one last question I'll get you out of here on this one. Um, best bowler you've ever <laughs> faced? 
<laughs> there is no doubt about that. <laughs> not not Lewin Bowler. <laughs> there is no... Oh, you mean cricketer. Cricketer, yes. No, without doubt. The best bowler I've ever faced is Dennis Lilly. Um, I, you, you got get, your scalp a couple of times, didn't you? <laughs> Too many times. Too many times? <laughs> um, Sorry the, to bring the, up the, old the, wounds. Thanks very much. There's nothing worse than people <laughs> who look up history. Um, uh, I had a far better average if you took the innings against Lilly out, but... Um, I was lucky or unlucky enough as an opening batsman to face Lily, Tomo, Michael Holding, Roberts, Andy Roberts. You know, it was a huge era of very, very good oh, fast that's bowlers. That heyday, yeah. um, but the reason that there's no question in my mind that Lily was the best is that it didn't matter whether he was bowling to me at five foot six or Tony Gregg at six foot five. He bowled everything sort of from throat to chest height and at you, whereas, I mean, Tomo was quick, but Tomo would bowl a bouncer that would go over the top of the... In fact, I I was playing uh, at the Gabba one day and and Tomo bowled me a bouncer. It not only cleared me, which wouldn't be a great achievement, but it also cleared um, McLean, who was the Queensland wicketkeeper, and actually hit the sight screen on the first bounce. Now, that's just a complete waste of energy and everything, whereas... Lily just bowled at you. Yep. Lily by miles. Yep, fantastic. Thank you very much, Rick. Absolute it's been pleasure. an absolute pleasure. And uh, we'll see you around the traps. Cheers. Thank you. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Thanks to Rick for that interview. We did that a couple of weeks ago out at a mate's place at Mawson Lakes and he was kind enough to give us his time. And being that Rick's a very popular uh, person, not only here uh, within the South Australian cricketing community, he does a lot of work up in the Barossa. Uh, him and his mate Phil have a podcast called Sports Central um, on the Goula or Barossa network. Um, so if you're uh, free and looking for another yeah, podcast okay. to add to your list, yep. Yep. Um, I certainly highly recommend that podcast. No, Rick's a man I respected greatly you know, as a cricket nut. Um, yeah. Watched him open for South Australia, and he was a gritty fighter, and yeah, very well respected within the team. There was no doubt about that. Absolutely. All right. And Rick would actually remember me as a youngster. I scored for Kensington as a kid, so he he's got yeah, a good memory yeah, as well. That, yes. Fantastic. All right. Happy days. And in this subject, we, we talk about current events, past events, uh, birthday events uh, on this occasion, or this week anyway. First up, we've got the Crows 1997 Grand Final, defeating St Kilda uh, 1911-125 to 13-16-94 by 31 points. Yeah, I was lucky enough to be there. They uh, certainly uh, a bit of grit and determination that day there, and they were probably lucky to be in it at some stage, but... Just found a way, and Jarman was fantastic, wasn't he? Oh, he was incredible, I think. It was 11-1 after half-time. Yep. Yeah, it was that, ridiculous. That is ridiculous. Um, moving on, we've got Darcy Fogarty, uh, 22 years old this week. Yeah, he sort of came of age. Like, it was a real big question mark still on him this year. Mm-hmm. and But, yeah, rapid improvement in the in the second half of the year. Absolutely. Uh, played 17 games this year, which is, you know, pretty good yeah. for where, where he's at. He kicked 33 goals, and really him and Tex uh, worked pretty well together. Um, you know, comes from uh, Ross Trevor College and then headed out to Glenelg. Um, 
de- debuted in 2018. Um, I, I think he's building. Country, another country boy too. Yeah, I, I think he's building and uh, let's uh, hope, you know, injury stays well and he can uh, improve on his um, game from this year and, and the Crows are going to look pretty good next year. Uh, also this week, uh, being that it was grand final uh, weekend last weekend, we had the 2018 Collingwood West Coast Classic yes. grand final. Uh, West Coast down by 29 points at quarter time. Yeah, and you know, late in that first quarter, there was a ball where Langdon could have rushed it through for the point. And he, yet again, players not knowing the rules inside out is a real bugbear of mine because he was under pressure. Yep. He rushes that. They don't get those last couple of goals just before quarter time. Yep. And the game may well have been over at quarter time. Yep. And, and I think most Collingwood people sort of thought that it was going to be a bit of a runaway, but how's Dom Sheed, you know? It was a great goal. Late, late in the game, uh, you know, the camera angle was amazing behind it. I mean, it's one of those iconic moments that will just be replayed for 100 years plus. And, and you know, just the story of that 2018 uh, West Coast side, um, amazing. Totally amazing. And it fluctuated that game, you know, back and forth. Collingwood at the start of the last quarter yes. looked like they were going to run away and then West Coast kept at it. It was a great game. Yeah, it's definitely one to put on the uh, grand final replay matches uh, at some stage through the year or or in grand final week when you watch all the classics. Definitely. In 1988, we're going back a fair way yes. here, um, USA versus Australia in the basketball uh, this was actually the last time that the US team was not represented by an NBA player. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously after 1988, we had the Dream Team, the Dream Team 2.0 um, and so on. And, and and really that match that Australia lost 78-49, uh, um, you know, was for a bronze medal. Uh, you know, so we, we, we've always done pretty well in the basketball and even back then... Uh, we were around the mark. Yeah, definitely around the mark and competitive and probably sport in a lot of regards. We batted above our weight. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And our last little happy times moment is Babe Ruth. Uh, a bit of baseball. I'm a, I'm a bit of a baseball tragic. Yes, uh, I can't say you haven't done your homework on this one, mate. <laughs> I've, um, I've thrown in a couple of things. We've got uh, currently at the moment uh, New York player Aaron Judge, uh, Today, actually, hit his 61st home run for the season. Um, I think he's got to get to 62 to get the record. Um, but back in the day, 1920, um, Babe Ruth hits 54 home runs. How many games played back then compared not to as, now? Not as many yeah. as, as now. So, you know, it really does put it into perspective that he was around the mark. in. Um, I think that was in 1920. In 1927, he hit 60. So he's, you know, obviously yep. improving year upon year. Uh, fantastic. So uh, one to watch out for if you're a baseball fan. Um, certainly Aaron Judge is sort of looking for the uh, the record. And there is some controversy around, you know, who who actually does have the record because there's a couple of players who yeah. have got it, but they yep. were tainted by uh, steroids yeah, and, yes. and various other things. So... Um, Judge, as much as I'm a Boston man and absolutely hate New York, you've got to admire him for yeah. uh, what he's done this year. So um, yeah, can't argue with that. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Extra time. Big finish. All right, and for our first extra time, big finish questions. This is where we we, we pick 
six random topics. Could be football, could be any yep. any topic. We run through them, we talk about them briefly, and, and and we give our opinions on them at the moment. It's not to say that they may not bob up in the longer subjects a little bit later on, but uh, we'll kick it off with Will Ken Hinckley, Coach Port Beyond 2023. I'll go unlikely. I think so too. Um, they're loading up. Yes. But yep. I, I think uh, you're right, uh, unlikely uh, past 2023. Uh, I'll go with that you'll end up coaching another at another club. I might be a senior coach, but I reckon you'll end up still being in, in the footy system. Absolutely. I think I agree too. Yep. 2020 World Cup. 2020 World Cup uh, here in Australia for the first time in a few years, obviously because of the COVID protocols. Um, we're... We're looking at, obviously, some matches here in Adelaide. We've got a few games, I think, from memory, Pak- not Pakistan, at Bangladesh. And yeah, no, I reckon we've got a semi here. Yes, that's correct. Um, how do you think, what are our chances? Oh, look, I'm not a huge 2020 fan, but I, I admit I, I still I love how tactical it is, though, where people don't realise how tactical it is. It's almost a ball-by-ball tactical game. So I, I enjoy that side of it, but I am more a traditionalists so yeah I, I take it more as entertainment yep. than getting frantic about the result sure kicking off on sunday october the 16th with uh, sri lanka and namibia i'll get that one out and uh, obviously concluding on sunday the 13th of november at the mcg we yeah you're right we do have a thursday night semi-final um so i'm sure that the uh, adelaide oval will be absolutely yeah, it'll be pumping that night Fantastic. Crows recruiting strategy, trade period at the moment. What do you think? Oh, look, while Rankin is costing more than what they'd like, you're always, you always pay money, above money, to get someone out of another club. Look, he is a unique talent. Absolutely. Um, I think there is talent, and I think he is good enough to go on board. Yep. I mean, Adelaide's recruiting strategy over the last couple of years is, you know, they've cut savagely, they've rebuilt, they look like they're in a pretty good window as far as uh, you know having money in reserve to attract a player like Rankin I, I did hear on trade radio today that uh, you know there is a little bit of a cachet there that they're probably going to go hard for Horn Francis next year yes. um, so you know I think that they're doing things a little bit differently this time around it looks like they've got the talent I think they've got to get some class into the midfield like yep. I think Key, Keys, Berry, if Sloane comes back, Schoenberg it's a lot of good, honest tries, and I think it lacks a bit of class. Could Rankin play that role? I think he could. Yep, as a pinch hitter. And I think Rochelle then becomes involved in that. Yep, fantastic. As well. And, um, you know, obviously, do you think the Crows' recruiting strategy is a little bit different, obviously, to Port Adelaide? They they still think they're in the window? Yeah. Oh, look, Port, Port at their best around the mark, probably, you know, they did have a reasonable amount of injuries. So, look, if Rosie and Butters and... Dersmer and that turn it on, then there are there are distinct possibilities. So. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a wait and see, and obviously the trade period's uh, coming up next week, I believe. Yep. So we'll we'll keep an ear out, and and we might talk about a few of those uh, trades, those big trades that might be happening because it looks like it's going to be a bumper trade period. Yep. Fantastic. Redbacks season ahead as a Redbacks man. Look, I just hope I hope we see some you know, young talent, young South Australians, given you know. I'd like to see Tom Kelly persevered with, uh, you know, trying to think of the other batsmen at the end of the year last year. Made 100 in the last, one of the last two games. So that's, that's name's escaping me yep, at the moment. Yep, that's okay. We'll look that one up. 
Um, you know, I just hope we go with some actual South Australian youth. It's always been a bit of a bugbear where we recruit from interstate and play. You know, we had people playing for South Australia last year. You know, uh, without having played a, sh- a district game. Yeah. You know, McAndrew McSweeney around in that regard. I'm I'm not a fan of that. I mean, you know, obviously the lack of success over the last few years is, is frustrating a little bit, but, you know, Gillespie's come in, you know, they've tried to, to change their uh, their strategy as far as fitness and, and you know, it, it does need that uh, little kick along to, to give a little bit of hope to the to the supporters that have been hanging out since 97, 98, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Um, you know, and we obviously had Rick on a little bit earlier who cherishes his uh, yes. Sheffield Shield uh uh, medallion or, or, or winning team, um, you know, it would be fantastic for the state if they could uh, pull one out. But we've got a lot of work to do, I think. Yeah, I'm still waiting for the umpire to give uh, um, the Victorian captain out to uh, LBW in the Shield final <laughs> at Glenelg. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't got a bad, long memory myself. Yep. Yes, yes. Fair enough. Maybe been an interesting conversation <laughs> with Chad Sayers at fine leg with that decision. Fair enough. Not being given out. Yep, you'd like to be a fly on the wall there. Moving along, Joel Selwood, is he the best captain ever? I mean, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but... Oh, look, he's certainly around the mark. You, know, you, you can go Selwood, Hurd, Hodge. Hodge, yep. You know, they're, they're probably the three out of that. You know, As we've talked about Selwood earlier this week, the world's most perfect man. Yes. He's certainly around the mark. Would you throw Voss in there? Yeah, Voss. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. you know... I, I think they're the three Where the me. successful teams are, yeah. Um, I mean, and Joel Selwood breaks uh, Michael Tuck's uh, finals record. Yeah, plays his 40th final. You know, just uh, unreal. But More more finals wins than St Kilda. He's definitely on what I'd call the Mount Rushmore of uh, of captains, that's for sure. There'd be half a dozen there that you'd, you'd pick, but he'd certainly be in the top yep, four. he's around there. No doubt about that. Fantastic. Adelaide 36ers. Um, bit of an interesting, you know, they, apparently they were pretty, re- you know, they were impressive last week. Yep. But a bit of a mixed day today, and not good news, with Deng Arkuth uh, being suspended for betting on games in America. So okay. he's going to miss the start of the season. Okay, so interesting. So that's not great news. Yeah. They uh, they were uh, quite uh, fantastic during the NBL Blitz. I know yeah. it's only a bit of pre-season, and you, know, you try out a few things that you may not necessarily try during a game, but it was all looking up. They head overseas to play Phoenix and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yes. And then everything's looking pretty good. And then today we get the news of, of a betting scandal. He's betting on NBA matches. He's not involved in those, unless it is the challenge matches of the 36ers and the Oklahoma and, and Phoenix. But why? Yeah, just you know. why? Don't don't take the risk. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep, I, I totally agree. And uh, that, that finishes up uh, Extra Time Big Finish. Now, before we uh, head off... Uh, Malcolm has been kind enough tonight to uh, deliver one of his books and I'd like him to probably plug it if uh, anyone's keen to uh, get their hands on it. it I'll definitely be having a read of this over the next it's, week or so. While the title's the definitive rule book, rule book's my nickname. I quoted a, a rule to an umpire playing footy in 1984 and the nickname stuck. So it's actually not about the rules. I've got a passion on interviewing people sportsmen, and then not only writing about their career but life in general. So, look, there's some pretty, as we mentioned earlier, Chris Grigg with Motor Neuron is pretty dear to my heart. Um, look, Ross Dillon was fascinating when interviewing Ross. It turned out that his father had died on Christmas Day when Ross was 16. He went to fix a drill and electrocuted himself. Oh, wow. 
Um, also, it had another brother uh, died of my my apathy to uh, heart, an unusual heart condition. Yep. And another brother had committed suicide. And after interviewing Ross, I'm thinking, how in the hell changed the language? Didn't I know about that? And I rang John Wynn up and Winnie went, and he was very serious, which is unlike 2-8, uh, the former Nord captain of the 1975 from Shipside, where Winnie said, Malcolm, you've got Ross's trust and confidence very few people have, and it's time he cleansed and let things out. And when I wrote the article, Hamish, Ross's son, rang me afterwards and said, hey, Malcolm, this is great. This is stuff we didn't know about, Dad. This is awesome. Oh, fantastic. Look, Tim Weatherall sent me a USB stick of barley, Topic at the moment, which is again, you know, getting some more bit of publicity at the yep, moment. Yep. Look, that's eight minutes. It was probably the most confronting eight minutes I've ever had in my life. It's actually probably silly what watched it by myself, and yeah, it's unbelievable. It, it's you, you it's just still can't fathom totally it. incomprehensible and yeah, yeah. unfathomable yeah. what what the guys, what the people went through. Sorry, not guys, what the people went through. Yep. But that did give just a skerrick. Um, so yeah, so look, is it? I think basically there's a story in everyone. It's getting it out of them. Look, it can be. Can, you know, hopefully, there's some funny stuff in there as well. Yep. Grenville Dietrich. Look, people have heard some of Grenville stories and that. But Grenville walking out of a pub one night, no taxis, walked down the pizza bar down the road. You do home deliveries, yes, sir. Stood in the corner, kept asking the fourth person. He said his address, and the youngster, yeah, yeah, well. I'm with you from a lift home, so you got the got the pizza cheaper than the cheaper than the taxi rides. So. Oh, that's an absolute beauty, yes. uh, Rick Davy. Have we got something in there for Rick? I, I, no, I've heard Rick uh, talk on a few occasions. Always a funny man. No, Rick gets a few mentions. Yep. He's obviously in Bruce, in the article on Bruce Winter, where Bruce Winter names his best players, and Rick falls there. Uh, Neil Craig is adamant that Rick's the best player he played with. Yep. So yeah, Rick does feature good. Fantastic. So what we'll do is we'll put this up, we'll sort of lead into, we do have a Facebook page all set up ready for any interactions. We'll put a a picture of this up and also a link. It's available at Dylan's or through me. Fantastic. And um, and, and we'll put those uh, up there for you and and obviously try to promote. I'll definitely be having a bit of a read of this over the next week. uh, A bit of homework for me over the next (laughs) week. And just to finish up for today, we are trying to uh, put together this podcast on a weekly basis. We want to throw in a couple of extra podcasts along the way, and one that's probably pretty dear to both of our hearts is the winning grand final from Norwood this year in 2022. We want to try and put together a Nord podcast over the next week or two for all those Nord supporters who might want to listen to us rabbit on <laughs> gloating. Yes, there'll be a big bit win, of gloating. A big win, and we might even try and get a couple of uh, Nord players uh, really make it a real Nord theme and and hopefully you, you'll jump online and, and support us with that but um, yeah. uh, it'll very much have a Nord flavour uh, don't worry there's a few people I'll be chasing up with that it's fine absolutely fantastic so that brings us to the end of our first episode so we can sort of tick that one off and thanks mate breathe out thank you Malcolm for joining us and to finish off with a lot of these we we, we always have to promise we've got to do better next time We've done okay this time, but I reckon we could do a little bit better next time. So thank you, Malcolm. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you. Greatly appreciate it. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCastSA. We'll see you next time on Game On.